Support comes from Austin Water, helping residents reduce water use while protecting Austin's precious resource during the drought conditions with MyATX Water, providing near real-time water use data, tips, and leak alerts. More at austinwater.org. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hello, and welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and this week, we are going to hear from the members of Junior Junior, makers of some of the catchiest indie pop out there. But before we get started, I want to ask that if you like the episode you're about to hear, then please go to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave a rating or a review because ratings and reviews they help us a lot like they help people find this podcast in the vast digital landscape that is the internet and you know what else helps people find this podcast you you sharing it with your people like however you want to do it online in real life we would love it if you would let your friends know about the show okay now to junior junior The band is the result of the collaboration between Josh Epstein and Daniel Zott. And yes, they used to have another name, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr., which I always thought was one of the funniest and like most fun band names out there. They started releasing music in 2010 as Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. And then they changed their name to Jr. Jr. in 2015. They released their self-titled record that year by self-titled. I mean, it's called Jr. Jr. And... I was lucky enough to catch up with them at ACL Fest last October. And this conversation, this was one of the surprising, delightful highlights of the festival for me. Because interviewing people at festivals can be tough. Like, it's loud and band members are often pretty worn out and you're like almost always under a time crunch. But this interview, which by the way, is a full band interview. You know how much I love the full band interview. I got to interview multi-instrumentalist Brian Pope and drummer Mike Higgins. Well, this interview, it takes a turn at the end that was like unexpected and exactly why I make this podcast. Like, look, I want to talk about songs as a way to get people talking about why they do what they do. And at the end of this interview... Like, you really get insight into why these guys make music. So, here they are. Junior, Junior. I've made up my mind over and over. My dad was a Grateful Dead fan, and... um, So, my family used to sing four-part harmonies to Uncle John's band. And they come here, Uncle John's band. Um, Wait, so is I, that the part that you would sing? Uh, no, I think I had a really high voice at the you time. You like, come like, here, Uncle John's I think I was even band. up. I think I was oh. like, come oh. here, Uncle John's band. Come here, Uncle John's band, by the riverside. Got some things to talk about here beside the rising tide. But yeah, I remember like doing the harmonies and, and being really into that music. And then I went to the concert and I was maybe nine and it was my first concert and it was at like a big outdoor amphitheater shed thing. And I remember f- uh, smelling marijuana like profusely and not knowing what the smell was and feeling really overwhelmed. And so my mom had to take me out of the concert 
Um, but I think that that's probably shaped my music at this point. It's it's filtering back in in terms of the freedom that they played with. Also, the, you know, the vocal harmonies. I remember, you know, my parents telling me that the Grateful Dead had worked with um, Crosby, Stills, and Nash on their harmonies for uh, for that that record. Really? Yeah. They, yeah. They worked with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Crosby, Stills, and Nash helped them do their vocal harmonies. Teach your children well. Their father's hell did slowly go by and feed them on your and I remember just thinking about how vocal harmonies in and of themselves can kind of take a boring song and make them interesting. And, and I think that that's always been something that I've thought about, but even more so lately, just, you know, um, taking something simple and making something beautiful and unexpected over it is, is a really fun experiment. And I think that the Grateful Dead kind of inspired that and, and some freedom and, and you know, um, I never took acid, so maybe that was because I went to a Grateful Dead concert early. I do remember <laughs> seeing a girl with toilet paper stuck to her shoe yelling that there was snakes after her, and I didn't know what that was. Maybe later you were like, I yeah, think no, that was that. When I was 17, I went to a fish show and saw the same thing, and I was like, oh, oh that's seen what that. Yeah. That's what that is. <laughs> Don't do that, kids. So did you, you were into the Grateful Dead when you were nine, and you were like hanging out with your parents singing Uncle John's Band. Totally. Were you into them like as you got older? Not so much. I, I think I kind of like gravitated more towards the Beatles and the Beach Boys. That was kind of like the other and and Motown. My parents listened to a lot of Motown. That was like the other end of the spectrum of what they exposed me to, and that was kind of where I lived. But you know, your your formative musical experiences always shape you, and I think that that music has has definitely shaped me. And, and you know, I was really really getting back into them and listening to them a lot. And then John Mayer went on tour in the band, and I. It's really hard for me to listen to them right now. Because <laughs> I just feel like it's disrespectful to Jerry and everyone. The thing that I was trying to get back to was the freedom that you talked about. Because it, like. Because right. I have friends who really like the Grateful Dead, but I have never, like, it's never been my thing. But the thing that they'll talk like I the thing I didn't realize is like the many the the many eras of Grateful Dead like there's disco Grateful Dead Yeah there's like Bruce Hornsby Grateful Dead it seemed like they did always kind of feel like like oh why not let's try some disco like we can do anything yeah, we want they We're did the and, and, and you know i mean look the amount of jamming that they did was a little excessive and self-indulgent at times but like a little, but <laughs> yeah, but it was like freedom. It was their freedom, you know. They came from a different era, and I don't, I don't relate to it as much. But like, I, I appreciate it. My name is Daniel, and uh, I'll talk about. Can I can I do two short ones? Sure, go for it. So. Uh, one is just listening to records. I had a moment when I was, uh, I think, like 13, 
and uh, I always stayed away from rock and roll. Like I didn't like Zeppelin and all these harder bands that like uh, a lot of my friends were trying to like show me as staples, you know. Um, and I remember I was at my cousin's house and they were listening to um, Led Zeppelin and we were all lying on the floor and it was like this cool room with like vinyl. I was so zoned out that I didn't realize it had changed from Led Zeppelin to something else. So this this song started, I'm like, wait a second, I can get down with Led Zeppelin, this is really awesome. And they all just started laughing at me because I didn't realize that it switched and it was Radiohead, OK Computer, and it just like blew my mind. I was like, and they let me sit in it for a while. like. For a while, I just was thinking, wait, Zeppelin is dope. Like, what is going on? This doesn't make sense. It was like blowing my mind because it was like the 60s or 70s with all this like weird synth electronic stuff sort of mixed in with rock. And then I was just like, when they told me it was Radiohead, I was like, all right, this is like the coolest band ever. So that was like a huge shift for me where it was sort of rock and roll, but it was this like headier, more thoughtful, um, and prettier sort of version of it, you know, that like sort of spoke to me a little bit more than the, I never was, I never connected with like the rebellious nature of rock and roll. It was more the, and, and, and similar to Josh's fashion, Beach Boys and Beatles were like, always spoke to me more, but they were like the first modern band that really was like, just doing it right for me, you know, yeah. like connecting to my, my inner being. It wasn't like sex, drugs, and rock and roll for you. It was no, I just, just never like was into that. I wanted to make beautiful music because I also listened to so much Motown that like that there was no rebellious nature in that. In in terms of like, I hit my guitar really hard. It was like, it was just speaking to like the core of what was going on. Whether it was Marvin Gaye. Mother, mother, there's too many of you to cry. Brother, brother, there's far too many of you die. You know. And Stevie Wonder. Been spending most of their lives living in the past time paradise. Been spending most of their lives living in the past time paradise. It was like in the lyrical content, not as much as like feeling that way, you know? Um. But then the other big thing for me was one of the first shows I went to, which was not a great band called Tonic. Uh, but I was like obsessed when I was like, I don't know, same age, like 13-ish or whatever. Um, but I, I'll never forget it. They, the, the, all the lights were off and all I could see was this like little glowing light, like an orange yellowy light. 
And I was like, what the heck's going on? And then all of a sudden I saw it like move and like go to the ground. And uh, then all this music started like happening and like the lights came on and I realized he had a cigarette. And I just thought like that was like the coolest thing ever that everyone was like, what is that little light? And then he threw it and then the song started. Like, I'll never forget that moment because I just, you know, when you're that age, there are certain things that you're like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I remember just being like, I want to play. I always was, I was playing music already, but then I was like, I want to do stuff like that on stage. I want to be watched, you know? I think I could do that. Like, so it wasn't yeah, about yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't about the music. music. No, it was about like spectacle. At that it was point. A, it was the first time that I th I never I didn't do this a lot where I was like that's cool. I just wasn't that type of kid either. So I remember that that feeling of wow that was really cool and it kind of shook me like that's really interesting. I want to do stuff like that uh, and and play and, and we eventually played on that same stage on our first CD release show in Detroit. And uh, that was a cool moment too to sort of come back to that. But so it kind of came full circle too. Totally. Like you went, you were doing something cool on the stage where you first realized totally. you wanted to do something cool on a exactly. stage. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a great moment. My name is Brian. Thank you. Um, for, for me, uh, the band and the the record was when I was in high school. I got into the band The Mars Volta, and their album Delouse in the Comatorium. They were the first band that really, like, I didn't like at first, and, like, I didn't understand it, and it was the first band that I saw really, like, use, like, guitar effects and just, like, go crazy on stage and use a bunch of noise, and, like, that really inspired me as a musician to just, like, think outside of just playing, like, bar chords and stuff like that, and being able to, like, experiment with noise, and, like, they would improv at their shows, and it was... Just a cool mix of sounds. It's just like what it's like an explosion. It's like all of a sudden, yeah. like it's like watching something explode. And like I remember the first time I kind of realized what it was because because it, it's kind it's not a easy bridge to cross. No, you know, like so for you it was like oh expanded your boundaries of like what yeah what you could like, do with music and just seeing like that much energy on stage and just like the sound of hitting a guitar with a bunch of delay and fuzz like that's a usable thing that you can do in music that was cool that's awesome yeah, yeah i don't know I, th I feel like a like a lot of musicians you get to a certain point where you've like played a bunch of songs and all of a sudden all you want to hear is noise like i don't want to i don't want to hear melodies anymore i just want to hear it like sounds yeah like yeah 
So this is Mike. So my Welcome, Mike. memory is more of an experience that I had playing live music. And it's when I was 12. I would go play gigs with my older brother who played saxophone. And I brought my drums. Uh, he always pushed me to go and let's go play in front of people. Let's do that. And that was, that was pretty big for me. But we would go to this nursing home and we'd, we'd been returning to it. His music teacher's mother was staying there and we were playing polka music. And like playing uh, weird jazz along to CDs that would skip coming out of a boombox. That's a terrifying experience, really <laughs> <Yeah>. frustrating. <coughs> it definitely uh, <laughs> caught me off guard. Um, but the, the positive thing I remember from then that sticks with me till now is, you know, they would wheel and help and assist all these elderly people into a cafeteria and we'd be set up behind a table and I remember smelling the food and it didn't make me feel right and a lot <laughs> of the imagery didn't make me feel right about where I was. Anyway, we began playing and I was hitting my drums and I slowly, and I watch people from my drum set really closely. I don't know if any audience realizes that, but I, I study people a lot. And when I was doing this back when I was 12 years old, I uh, sort of just watched people wake up from the inside out. And, you know, these elderly folks were like glazed over maybe years spent inside of this nursing home. And it was sad, right? But, uh, you know, once we started the music, it woke people up, and I was like, okay, this is good. I can hold on to this. I can latch on to this. Playing the drums is okay. That's Even cool. though this is weird, it's positive. And that's never left me, you know, like earlier today. You could be in the worst mood. You know, your personal life could be totally messed up, uh, or you're going through something hard. But, like, latching on to the fact that uh, just playing instruments for people is positive, it can get you through, you know. So it's really awesome. the like the first time you saw the effect that you could have on people, yeah. like Physically. the like the physical effect yeah. that music has on people, yeah, and how it's like a transformative kind of positive effect. Absolutely, Whoa. Mike, that was beautiful. Yeah, that was really. Cool. I'm like happy to know that about you. You know, yeah, like, it's it really makes cool. me think you're like a, a great person. I all think over that's again, you know? that's like the true essence of music. You know, like. Mm like a thick that's the ultimate like connection with people right it's like to see not only us connect with them and them connect with us but like we all are transformed through that process you know that yeah. is just so cool and i think that yeah. all of that gets kind of like confused and warped as you do it sometimes yeah like sometimes i think about the fact that like maybe i just kept on doing music because i, I hate failing and i just wanted to like have it be like something that i could be proud of but then you know when you think about it it's like holy holy shit i get to wake up and write music and that's like actually what i enjoy most even if i don't even if i'm not in the mood to do it that day there's nothing in the world that i would be happier doing than that and i have to kind of remind myself because that in and of itself is something that you like you've created a thing that someone else can experience and i think that's the most important thing for human beings to do is to like leave something behind that they've made you know as opposed to just like buying and selling imaginary shit uh right. You know, you can make a lot of money and, like, buy a house and leave that behind. But, like, what did you build? You know, what did you make? And also, what do you give to people? I mean, right. because basically you get up there and you're, like, 
you know, like a, a live performance, it can be a real gift. And it, you can get a real gift, like, yeah. in return, you know, totally. but it's like, if you're open and you're, like, being authentic and, yeah. like, doing it for real, people yeah. feel that and then they could feel like they, too, can be that kind of person, which is, like, yeah. it's yeah. the jam, it's, right? It's, it's comforting to hold on to that, that source uh, because that thought kind of hangs around all the time of, what am I actually doing? What What's, like, palpable from this? What yeah. am I leaving behind? Does it even matter in the grand scheme of things when I'm abs- when I'm not here anymore? So yeah. it, it helps. I think it's really, I'm just really excited that we're, like, all at this place together making a new album that, you know, like, I, it's exciting to me because I, I finally feel like I'm not pretending to be anything when I'm on stage in front of people, which was a, which was a thing, you know? Like, I think I had to do that to get through the whole thing because I was so anxious about it you know and to pretend that I wasn't wasn't anxious I was like trying to like channel things that I had seen in the past yeah Uh, like things that had worked for other people that don't necessarily you know like like coming coming out to a crowd and being like what's up guys like it's just not me but I did (laughs) it because I I saw that it worked but you know now I'm finally feeling like I don't I don't want to do anything that's not me and I think we all kind of arrived at that place we're all there it's cool yeah cool sorry maybe too much information no you guys this it's turned honest. out to be it's a cool. beautiful interview. Uh, when, when he was talking, <laughs> I was thinking, man, like we need to do this like once a week on the bus. Like, yeah. hey, does anyone have a story they want to share? Because it's so nice it to nice. hear that. I'm down. It's great. Down oh, that. it's Whoa. great. Well, you guys, thanks so much for talking to me. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, sure. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having us. Focus on your breathing. Looks can be deceiving. Everyone has curated their life. Like you're not living right And you might be alright with that And this is Same Dark Places, the newest single from Junior Junior. You might have heard it on the Netflix show 13 Reasons Why. And, like, wasn't I right? The end of that interview, hearing those guys talk about why they make music, why they perform, like what it really means... That, my friends, it's a conversation I am always angling to have. So thank you, Josh and Daniel and Brian and Mike, for taking the time to talk to me and talking to me about the stuff I love to talk about. Junior Junior just announced a bunch of new tour dates starting in October. If you live in Austin and you want to see them, they'll be at the Mohawk on October 25th. And I'll put a link to the tour dates on the show notes page for this episode at KUTX.org. KTX is the radio station where we make this podcast. And if you enjoyed hearing these guys talk about songs that changed their lives, but then also talk about like, why, why music, you know, then I know you will really dig the interviews that we did with Tegan and Sarah and the guys from local natives. Like these interviews took similar turns. We started talking out about songs. We ended up talking about big stuff. And we have over 80 episodes, so you can totally dive into the audio. And you can find everything, our archive, like on the podcast app or iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And, you know, on this podcast, we mostly speak to musicians about transformative songs. But everyone kind of has these moments, right? These transformational musical experiences. And we want to hear about yours. Give us a call. Our number is 512-766-9066. Leave a message telling us about your life-changing song, and you may hear your story on this podcast. 
and that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of this song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas. This episode was produced and edited by David Sanger and me, Elizabeth McQueen. This interview was recorded by Jack Anderson. Taylor Wallace curates our Instagram account. Woo! Kelly Seal is our excellent intern. Yeah! And thanks to Gigergott and Peter Babb and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. And it is true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own Hard Proof. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Our handle is at this song KUTX. You can like us on Facebook, and you can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts, Austin Music Minute, Liner Notes, and Song of the Day on iTunes. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.